All right. All right. Man, I think our worship team just took it to a new level, right? Man, holy cow. My gosh, they were doing that in rehearsal this morning, and I said, can you just play that for 30 minutes? That's all we need. My goodness, that was amazing. Um, this is coming up later. I, I brought this out while the, while the bumper was ending, and some, a couple people in the front row, is he sick? Yes, I'm going to vomit during the sermon. It's going to be a powerful moment in the history of our church, and we'll never be the same because of that. Um, we'll come back to there in just a moment. Hey, we're going to pray, but before we pray, i got a couple of housekeeping things that you need to know about. Uh, one is uh, right after this service, a couple of you will remember Stephen Bell. Maybe a, a lot of you won't. Stephen was, uh, Stephen was our worship leader that helped us launch Summit. He was with us for our first six months. And if you're hungry after today, uh, today's service, he, him and his wife, they are adopting a, a baby uh, from another country. The details on that, he do, they don't really know yet, but it's a big deal, man. God is doing an amazing work through their life. And, uh, and they're having a fundraising dinner for that at the National Guard Armory right here in Hazard. And the food is going to be amazing. And so that's right after today's service. If you're hungry, you go up there, your money's going to go to a, to a tremendous cause. All right? Another thing, uh, when you walked in today, everybody should have got a sheet of paper. Did you get a sheet of paper? Correct? On that sheet of paper, it talks about uh, uh, some boxes that we're trying to put together. Several months ago, Head Start right here in town approached us and asked Summit if, uh, if we would be uh, basically their official sponsor church, that when they had needs, they could come to us, express needs, and we could serve the 51 families that utilize Head Start on a uh, really daily basis. And one of the things they always like to do every Christmas, they like to make Christmas boxes, uh, just, a, just basically a box filled with everything they'd need to have a great quality meal. And uh, that's the very first thing they asked us to do. They didn't have anybody to step up that would be able to do that this year. And so we said we would love to do that. On the sheet that you got when you walked in are all the details about that. We're going to distribute uh, those boxes to those families on December the 18th. You can bring in individual food items. You can prepare the box yourself, whatever. The, The information is there on your sheet. What you need to know, we need it by December the 16th. Okay? You can just simply bring it here to Summit. We'll uh, bring it here with you to the forum. We'll have tables out there, or you can just leave it with one of our guest service volunteers. They'll, we'll uh, have them uh, ready to go to know what to do with it. But you can bring that with you. All the information is on the sheet. If by chance, maybe you came in late, maybe you missed a guest service volunteer, you did not get one of those, I'm going to step out on a limb and say there's some out there and we want to get you one before you leave today because this is a great opportunity to serve 51 families right here, okay? So just take that, and church, let's step up, and let's make an impact in these families' lives this Christmas. Deal? Deal. All right. Hey, let's pray, and we're jumping in. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for today, and Jesus, thank you for what you are going to do right here in this room. Jesus, thank you for how you have already, you're just already at work, and God, I just, I just think of the line that we just sang. God, we We don't want to talk about you like you are not in the room. The biggest reality in the room right now is you. And so, God, we want to to look right at you. God, we want to hear right from you. God, directly from you, Father, we want to have an encounter with you because every time that happens, we leave different. God, we didn't come today to be entertained. We came for nothing less than Jesus. Some people came, they might not even put that label on there, but they came searching for something. Maybe they got invited, they feel like their life's falling apart, and they're searching, they're crying out for something. Jesus, you are who they are after. And so reveal yourself to people today in your name. 
Amen. Hey, let me ask you a question, get some uh, audience feedback. I need your help with something this morning just as we get started. Um, and, and you answer this by raising your hands, and I have to admit it might cause some conflict in some homes uh, today, but I'm not going home with you, so it really don't matter to me. Um, but wives, let me talk to the married women in the room, married ladies in the room. Let me ask you a question. You answer this about your husband based, just raising your hand. All right, that's all I want you to do. If this is true about your husband, raise your hands. How many married women in the room, by raising your hand, would say, my husband hates to ask for directions. Raise your hand right now. I see those hands. Hallelujah. Praise God. We can have the invitation right now. Look at all these hands. Revival. Right. All those hands. The husbands are now, the husbands are looking at their wives. No, I don't. Right? So we have, we have marriage counselors in the back for you today. But, but so there we go, right? So, so, so your husbands hate to ask for directions. Here, let me just try to make all the men feel better who now uh, either are bitter at their wives or hate this church. Um, let me just try to make all of us feel a little bit better. How many people in general, so, so not married, doesn't matter if you're uh, married, single, men, women, I don't care who you are. How many people in general, by raising your hands, would say, I hate asking for directions? Raise your hand. Raise your hand right there. Okay. There you go, right there. Let me do another survey. How many of you, you, uh, you get something new, you purchase some kind of furniture or some kind of product, Christmas coming up, you open something up, and, and it says, read directions before use. How many of you never read directions? There we go. I, I, my hand is up, bro. All right, amen. I think every hand in the room, I don't know why, I feel for the dude that puts those directions together, because, man, we don't use what he's saying. Um, but some of you love to ask for directions. Some of you hate to ask for directions. I mean, some people, and maybe you're one of these people, I've ridden with some of these people, they just hate to ask for directions. I mean, they're, 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 in a, they're driving around somewhere, and maybe the car is filled with people. It is clear to everybody, you are lost, bro. You don't know where you're at. But some people, maybe you're one of these people, you'll drive around for hours refusing to admit you don't know where you're at. You refuse to admit you're lost. You're just driving around. I want y'all to see everything that's here. That's what I'm doing. I know where we're going. You don't know where you're at. You're, you're lost, right? Others of you, others of you, others of you, man, you love to ask for directions. Like, you will ask for directions at the hint of a wrong turn. You know what I'm saying? Some of you, you've got the Garmin or the TomTom fired up. You've got apps on your phone running. You've got directions printed out from Google, Yahoo, and MapQuest. You've got flares in the trunk just in case you need them. I mean, you need directions, and you're ready to ask, right? And see, but see listen, listen. See, see, it's one thing. It's one thing to ask directions, say, to a restaurant. Or, or it's, it's another thing, you know, you're on vacation with your family, you've never been there before. It's another thing to ask directions to a location your family wants to get to. You don't really know where it is. So it's one thing to ask directions to a place like that. But it's another thing to ask directions about your life. And see, here we are, we're, we're in part three of a series called Frequently Asked Questions. And, and every week what we're doing is we're taking a different question and just answering that question. And today, the question that we're trying to answer is, how can I know God's purpose for my life? And that question is all about directions. I don't, in fact, I don't care if you're, if you're here, you're a Christian or you're an atheist. I don't care where you're at spiritually Every person in the room has asked for directions about your life. 
I mean, like I said, it doesn't matter where you're at spiritually. At one point, probably everybody in the room, and if you've never done this, one day you will. At some point, every person has asked, why am I here? Not at the form, like in existence, right? Why am I here? Or at some point, you've asked, what's the purpose for my life? Maybe you didn't slap God in there or anything. I don't know where you're at spiritually. But you've asked, what's the purpose of my life? Is there even a purpose in living. Maybe you even got really specific about it. Should I go to that college or this one? Should I take this job? Or should I just stay where I'm at? Should I open the business now? Should I shut down the business now? Maybe I should transition the business now. Should we move into that house or this one? Should we keep our children or sell them on eBay? Right? Some of you are struggling with it. Welcome to Summit. Um, it's, it's all about directions. It's all about directions. And, and, some, and sometimes maybe you're here, you're a Christian, and, and this is, these are good questions, but maybe you're here, you're a Christian, or you know Christians, you've hung around them. They might ask it this way. Is it God's will? Is it God's will for me to go there? And see, all of those are great questions because behind all of those questions is the assumption that God's got a purpose for me. It's it's not generic, it's tailor-made for my life. And listen, I don't want to assume, there's a big crowd here today, I don't want to assume something that maybe I shouldn't assume, so I just want to tell you today that God has a purpose for you. Maybe you've never heard that before, but God has a purpose for you, teenager. God's got a purpose for you, stay-at-home mom, dad, sir, ma'am. God's got a purpose for you. You are not an accident. You're not a waste. People might have told you, and you might feel at this stage in your life that you've blown it so much that there's no hope for your life. Your life is never going to amount to anything. Probably somebody in a crowd this big is being told that. But listen, as long as there's breath in your lungs, God's got a purpose for you. As long as you're here and you're breathing today, God's got a purpose for your life. And listen, listen, listen. He wants you to know what that purpose is. God's got a purpose for your life. You were made with a purpose, for a purpose, and he wants you to know what that purpose is. So today we're going to try to answer the question, how can I know God's purpose for me? So if you've got a Bible, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to open up your Bible to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, if that's new to you, you don't know where that is, hey, just don't be ashamed to open up Table of Contents and find that. It's a really big book towards probably the end, back part of the Old Testament Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. Now, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, there's going to be a verse in here that's extremely popular. A lot of Christians even call verse 11, we'll read it in just a minute, their, their life verse, meaning it's the, their favorite verse in the Bible. It's, it's the verse that just applies to their life. Just feel like God, God's given them that verse. And so there's a verse we're going to read in here uh, that's extremely popular. But Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14, and, and hey, if you, if you don't, uh, have a Bible, don't worry about it because the words are going to be up here on the screen behind me, I think, in just a few moments. And, uh, and, we say, and we say this every week. If you don't have a Bible by chance, you don't have a Bible, or maybe you've got one, you just have a hard time understanding. When you leave today, they're in, in fact, they're there right now. When you leave today in the back of the auditorium, we've got a free Bible for you, and we want you to take one. You don't need to tell anybody, ask anybody. You don't need to act shady about it, pick one up, and put it under your coat. 
Take a Bible. All right, bro? Just take the Bible. You're right. Nobody's getting shot for, st- for taking Bibles. I almost said stealing Bibles. We don't, you, you can just take them. All right? But uh, so go ahead, Jeremiah 29. Hopefully, hopefully you've got that. Maybe you've turned it on your mobile device, iPhone, whatever it is. Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. We'll read this and then I'll come back and I'll kind of set the stage for what's going on here. It says this, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will, feel, I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Let's stop right there so that you can know who the you is. The you is God's people Israel. And instead of being in the land where they, where they thought that God was telling them that they would be with him for their entire existence, they were now slaves. Felt like they'd been separated from God. That word that we read there, exiles, that word means slaves. And in fact, they're slaves in Babylon. At this time, I mean, this was the sin city of sin cities. What happens in Babylon, it doesn't stay in Babylon. I mean, that's a bad place to be. There's God's people right in the midst of Babylon. And so they looked around and their thought was, God doesn't have a purpose for me. I mean, God made some big promises to us earlier, but God's up and left us, and he's forgotten about us, and so God's coming to them and saying, no, 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 I haven't forgotten about you. I'm right here with you. Here's verse 11, the really popular one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your, this is a big word, heart. We're going to come back to that. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And so here's God's people and their slaves in Babylon, and they're confused because it looks like God doesn't have a purpose for them. They're, they're heartbroken. They're, disappointment. they're disappointed because they feel like everything that God had told them and God wanted to use their life, it looks like it's not going to become a reality. Maybe that's where you're at. You, you thought that God was going to use you, use your family, use that business, use that decision in a big way. It's not turning out the way that you thought that it would, and you're at a point in your life, your family's at a point, and you're asking What's God's purpose for us? Because it looks like he doesn't have one. It looks like God's just forgotten about us. And that's where God's people are. And God comes to him and he says, hey, listen, I know where you're at, okay? I, I know you're in Babylon. I know you're slaves there. I know you're heartbroken. And then he says, verse 11, here's what I want you to know. I have a purpose for you, God says. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And when they heard that, man, when they heard that, they probably got fired up. When they heard that, they probably started chest bumping because that, was, that, that verse is just dipped in awesome sauce, man. They love that because that's what they wanted to hear. God's got a purpose for us. Oh, it's not over. Oh, that's great. He's got a future for us. He's got a hope for us. God, thank you. You can go home now. And maybe that's where you're at. Oh, I just needed to be reminded of that. Thanks. Let's shut up and let's go to the house because I'm done. But see, God's not done talking. Because God says in verse 11, hey, listen, I've got a hope for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a purpose for you. And then he continues, and the main thing that he says is in verse 13. Let me read verse 13 one more time. Verse 13 had to blow them 
away when you're thinking about what's God's purpose for me because God just says something out of nowhere. He says this, you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God says, hey, I've got a purpose for you. I've got a future for you. And here's my purpose, to get more of your heart. If, if you want to know your purpose, my purpose for you, Israel, if you want to know God's purpose for you, God's purpose for you, chief and foremost, top of the list, is to get more of you. It's to get more of me. It's to get more of our hearts, God says. You want to know your future? You want to know your hope? You want to know the purpose I have for you? God says, hey, listen, you'll seek me and you'll find that purpose when you seek me with all of your heart. I want more of you. See, from God's vantage point, this is such a, so, so important, man. Maybe you need to write this down if you're taking notes. From God's vantage point, everything else is secondary to him getting more of us. Everything else is secondary from God's perspective after him getting more of our hearts. In fact, the Bible's got a word for that. The Bible's got a word for it. In the New Testament, it's a really big word. If you say it at lunch, maybe people will think you're smart, even though we all really know the truth. Um, It's the word sanctification, okay? Let's all say that together just so that we can sound really smart. On three, sanctification. One, two, three. Some of you are like, shlabladubadah. Shlabladubadah. Sanctification, let me define that for you. Sanctification simply means this. When you give your life to Jesus, when you become a Christian, God starts a process in your life of transforming you, of making you into a different person. He begins the process of getting more of your heart. And that process is called sanctification. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this. This is God's will for you or God's purpose for you Your sanctification. And sanctification is the process of God making us more like Jesus. Not that we become little gods or little Jesuses or anything like that, but God wants to make you into a person that totally loves him. God wants to make me into a person that totally trusts him because he he knows right now I'm not there. God wants to make us into people who totally worship him. And that process is a process of him getting more of our hearts. See, think about it this way. When, when, we, when we come to the question, hey God, what's your purpose for my life? All of the questions we have about God's purpose for us are what questions, aren't they? God, what job should I take? God, what person should I marry? God, what house should I live in? God, what's the next step? And listen, those things matter to God. God cares about the job some of you are thinking about taking. God cares about the move some of you are are in conflict about whether you should make it or not. God cares about the school that you go to. But listen, at the top of God's list, his concern is the kind of person you're becoming. So listen, God cares about the job, but if God doesn't get more of you in the midst of the job, you took the job for the wrong reason. Because God wants to use that job to make you more like Jesus. God cares about the school that you go to, but if God doesn't get more of you at the school, you picked it for the wrong reason. Because God wants to use the school to make you more like Jesus. God's purpose for us, first and foremost, is to get more of us. 
And so I was thinking through this and just praying through this because I knew we were going to talk about this today. And here's what I believe that God laid on my heart today. I believe that when you answer the question, Mark, how can I know God's purpose for my life? I think you can answer that question with one word. I don't care who you are. I don't care what stage of life that you're in. I think that you can answer the question, what's God's purpose for my life with one word? It's the word surrender. Surrender. The more I surrender myself to God, the more he gets hold of me, and the more God gets hold of me, I'll walk in his purpose for me, because his purpose is to get more of me. I heard a guy named Henry Blackaby, he wrote a book called Experiencing God, and he says this, if you walk with Jesus today, you'll be in God's will tomorrow. I mean, I mean, think about it this way. Do you really think that you can be completely surrendered to God and miss God's purpose for your life? No. So if you want to know God's purpose for your life, it's all about surrender. And in fact, what I want to do today, I want to talk about three areas that you and I need to surrender to God. Three areas that you and I, that God wants his people right here in Jeremiah to surrender to him, and God wants us to surrender to him today. So if we want God's purpose for our lives, if it centers on surrender, then God wants to talk to us today about surrendering three areas of our lives to him. So here we go. If you're taking notes, you need to write these things down. First one, first area that God wants us to surrender to him is our comfort. It's our comfort. First area that we need to surrender to God is the area of our comfort. Because God wants to get us to a place where he is our comfort, where he is our refuge. So if I'm going to surrender myself to God, if that's his purpose, let's start with surrendering my comfort to God. Because did you know this? Did you know that God might call you and your family to take a job that pays less than what you're making now? Did you know that? Did you know that God might call you to downsize? See, I don't know where we got, I don't know where it came into the church that God would never ask us to do anything hard. Really, we should ask ourselves this question. When has God ever asked anybody to do anything easy? Right? Uh, God comes to this. Maybe you don't know the Bible, but for those of you who do, you probably heard a little bit of these stories. God comes to a guy named Noah, right? And, and God says to Noah, hey, hey, Noah, it's going to flood. And Noah looks back at God and says, what? Because the Bible says that it never rained. Never rained. Hey, Noah, it's going to flood. It's going to what? What's a flood? It's water. What? Don't worry about it, bro. Don't worry about it. But here's what you need to do. You need to build a boat. A what? Don't worry about that either, bro. Once you get you and your boys and go to the hardware store and get some, ta- get some, get some tools, get some wood, because you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a big boat, bro. Trust me. I don't even know what it is, but I'm going to build this boat. That's hard. It doesn't make sense. I'll give you another example. Abraham. Abraham. God comes to Abraham, and for years and years and years, God had been promising Abraham and his wife that they're going to have a child of promise, and eventually they have it. The boy's name's Isaac. God comes to Isaac one day. And, I mean, God comes to Abraham one day, and he says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac up on a hill, and I want you to kill him. That's hard. That's hard. Some of you are like, you don't know my kid. I'm waiting for God to give me that move, bro. I'm just waiting. Here I am, Jesus. Send me right now, bro. I'm surrendered to you, right? Some of you are like, that's awesome. I love the Bible. Going home today. It's in the Bible, son. I see it. See it. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't use this example. Um, <laughs> it's getting shady. But 
And listen, 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 you think it's crazy, but listen, it gets to this point, maybe you, maybe you don't know the story, but it gets to the point where Abraham, because he does, Abraham takes Isaac up on this mountain, he binds him down to this altar, and it gets to the point where Abraham has the knife in his hand, the Bible says, ready to plunge it into his son's chest. And it's all a test about just God testing Abraham, saying, saying hey, do you love me enough? Do you trust me enough? Because God does big things through Abraham's life. But that's a hard thing. Give you the ultimate example, Jesus. Jesus leaves heaven and puts skin on, and he's tortured to death on a cross for the salvation of the world. Where do we get into our heads that God would ever ask us to do anything easy? And listen, 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 listen. I know we've got a lot of new Christians here at Summit, but if you've been a Christian for about a day, we have a term to spiritualize this, don't we? We've got a phrase to spiritualize that God would never ask me to do anything hard. It's the phrase comfort zone. Right? Com- How many of you have ever heard the phrase comfort zone? Okay, just raise your hand. Okay, comfort zone. Comfort zone basic- basically is this. Here's how comfort zones work in Christian circles. A comfort zone is a zone of comfort. And um, that's all I got, bro. Sorry. It's, it's a zone of comfort. And outside of my zone of comfort is uncomfortableness. I don't even know if that's a word. But here's my zone of comfort. And in the zone of comfort, a.k.a. the comfort zone, is me and Jesus and comfort. And Jesus would never ask me to step out of my comfort zone, would he? I mean, I mean, if God wants me to surrender to him, how is God going to get more of me if I won't step out into a place where he's all I need? But so many people, we just stay right here in our comfort zone, don't we? Don't we, Christians? We just stay right here. It's just, it's just my little comfort zone right here. Just this zone of comfort right here, right? Some of you, you've been Christians for years and you haven't moved out of the zone of comfort. Like Jesus died and he says, here's your lazy boy. Sit back and relax, bro. I'm carrying the weight, man. Right? Let, let me ask you this question. Don't answer this out loud. Don't answer this out loud. But let me ask you a question. What's the thing that if God asked you to do, it would freak you out? Oh, man, it got real quiet. What's the thing that if God asked you to do, it would freak you out? Maybe it's forgive that person. Maybe it's invite that guy, that coworker, that friend in your class to summit, or, you, or, or that crazy uncle man's coming over for Thanksgiving. Oh, my goodness. And God is already telling you, you need to tell him about Jesus. And you're scared to death. Hey, listen, maybe it's praying out loud. Maybe it's going and doing a certain thing. Here's what I would say to you. Whatever that thing is, if you can do it in the next seven days, do it. Whatever that thing is, if you can do it in the next seven days, do it. Why? Because if we, as we surrender our comfort to God, God gets more of us because it means I'm putting myself in a place where he is all I need, where more and more he's becoming my safety. God wants me to surrender my comfort. That's the first area. Number two, second area we need to surrender, not only our comfort, but we need to also surrender. This is going to sound weird, all right? We need to surrender that thing. That thing. We need, we need to surrender that thing to God. You say, what in the world does that mean? Let me, let me, uh, let me try to explain it. And, and, I, and I'll use an illustration I used uh, several months back here at Summit. But we, man, several hundred people have come since I used it. And, and a lot of people have used it in conversation. So I think it stuck with some people. Um, how many of you guys have cabinets in your house? Raise your hand. Cabinets in your house. 
Okay, that's a weird question. I know, I know. Just track with me for a second. Um, everybody's hand went up. And I bet if I went to your house, I bet if I went to your house, you'd show me the cabinet where the plates are, right? You'd, you'd show me maybe the drawer where your utensils go. You'd show me where, where the cabinet is where you put your pots and pans. Everything's in a cabinet. Nothing touches each other. Everything's in its own cabinet. A lot of people try to live that way. Here's my marriage, here's my job, here's my kids, here's my finances, and and God, I'm going to give you this cabinet right here. And God, you can touch a lot of stuff in these other cabinets except for this thing right here. God, you can't touch this thing right here. You can't even get close to it. You can't talk to me about it. You can have all of this other stuff, God, but you can't have this thing. I wonder if there's anybody in the room that has this thing that God can't touch. There's, there's a thing in your life and you're looking at it and you're saying, God, no. You, you can't have that, God. Listen, let's be, let's be real honest for a minute. Maybe for somebody in the room it's a sexual relationship. You're not married to that guy. You're not married to that girl. God says the sex is to be between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage, and you are doing things that God says clearly not to do, but you're justifying it. You're trying to find ways why you're the exception to that rule. You're trying to find a way around it right now. God, you can touch a lot of stuff, but you can't touch that. Maybe it's your addiction. You struggle with that addiction for years. Your daddy was addicted, his daddy was addicted, and you're addicted. It just runs in your family. Making excuses for it. Say, I'll always be this way. I'll never change. God, you can touch a lot of stuff, but you can't touch my addiction. Maybe it's a decision you, you're, you, you know that God wants you to make, but you're afraid to make. Maybe it's a decision that you know God is not wanting you to make, but you want to make it anyway. What is that thing in your life that you know that God wants to put his finger on, but you're trying to fight him with it? You're trying to avoid that finger. You're trying to justify it. What is the thing in your life that you need to surrender today? Hey, maybe you're here and you can't find anything. Let me ask you this question. What is the thing in your life that if you lost it, you couldn't imagine living without it? What's the thing in your life that if you lost that thing today, you couldn't imagine living anymore without that thing? And I know we're in church and the spiritual answer is, Jesus. But that first thing came to your mind is your answer. First thing came to your mind. And listen, listen, you know what? Probably the thing that came to your mind is a good thing. But the Bible says that our problem is that we take good things and make them ultimate things. What is the thing that God is saying to you today? Hey, let's deal with that. Because because around Summit we use a phrase all the time called next steps. Just that God wants you to take your next step in your relationship with Him. But if there's a point in your life, an area where you're telling God no, there is no next step. You're stuck. The, the next step, if you're telling God no, is that you open your hand and you say, all right, God, let's begin to deal with this. But if you're here today and you're telling God no, you won't, let, you won't surrender that thing to him, you're stuck. Because listen, there is freedom in surrender. There is freedom in surrender. How, how many of you, have you, ever know, have you ever noticed you've been coming to Summit for a little bit? And I wish more people did this. Raise their hands when they sing. You ever seen that? You ever wonder why people do that? It's not because they just started using deodorant. They want their neighbor to know. Hey, bro, check this out, dude. Woo! Awesome, isn't it? That's not why. You know why they do that? 
And, and listen, it's not because there's something overly spiritual, there's like a beam coming down from heaven on them or anything like that. When you raise your hands, it's a sign of surrender. That's all it is. God, I surrender to you. God, what I'm saying right now, man, I want it to be true over my life. I want it to be true over my I'm surrendering myself to you. There's freedom in surrender. In fact, let me, let me, try, to, let me try to show it to you real quick. Let me try to show it to you. Um, all right. Now, listen, if you're clapping, you better strap with me. You better do what I'm about to say. All right? Because I'm, I'm like, oh, clappers, that means you're going to help me here. Uh, let me get you to do this. Some of you won't because you're so concerned about how goofy you'll look. But the people who clapped have to because you clapped. Um, can I get you to do this with me? Can I get you to put your hands up in the air like this, like you're about to punch the person in front of you in the back of the head? Some of you are like, I love this church, man. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. And, and let me get you to do this. Let me get, now, 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 I want you to do this. Now, get real tense with it, all right? Do this. Just get real tense. Man, I want to grit your teeth a little bit. Do this with your forehead. Get real tense with it, all right? Get real tense. All right, now, here we, now hold it. Hold it. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Because, listen, I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I count to three, I want you to shoot your hands up in the air like this, all right? So hold it. Hold it. Keep holding it. I just, you guys look hilarious. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> it's funny being a preacher. Um, here we go. Here we go. Everybody hold it. We're getting real tense. One, two, three. Let it go. Now, 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 now. Put your hands down. Didn't that feel better than this? Some of you walked into the room today, and this is what you're doing. And you're not free. You're not free. Maybe you've got a relationship with Jesus. Jesus died to set you free, not died so that you can make yourself a slave again to that sin. But you went back to that thing he told you to leave behind. He brought you here today because he wants to deal with you about that thing. He wants to take you from this to this. Because there's freedom in surrender. What's that thing that he's telling you to deal with? And here's the last one, number three. Third area that we need to surrender is your life. Third area that we need to surrender to Jesus is your life. Your, your finances, your future, your heart, your decisions, your motive, your whole life. And listen, see, that starts, that starts with a first-time decision of giving your life to Jesus Christ. And some of you need to do that today. I mean, yeah, you're a good person, but if you died, we talked about this last week, if you died today, you don't know what would happen to you. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, and today you need to become a Christian. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. But listen, once you make that first surrender decision, you've got to make that decision every day, don't you, Christians? Because listen, the Bible says that in the life of every single Christian, there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh, meaning there's a battle between wanting to live for Jesus and wanting just to give it up and walk away. So every day you need to make the decision. Tomorrow you're going to need to make the decision. This afternoon, every moment, every day, you're going to need to make the decision. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I, I, just, surrender, I just surrender this afternoon to you. I just surrender this, this meal to you. I just surrender this decision to you. See because, see, because maybe you walked in today and your real concern is you want a what question answered. Hey, man, I'm thinking about this job. I've got this decision. Well, listen, let's talk about that for a second. Let me just get real specific on that. If you've got some options in front of you right now and one of those is a sin, you don't even need to go on anymore, bro. It's clear the decision you make. Don't sin. Don't do it. So like, hey, I've got some career options in front of me. I could take the promotion at the bank or sell crack to middle school students. Preacher, what do I do? 
Well, Captain Obvious, you take the promotion because that's not a good path, bro. Right? If it's a sin, don't take the sin option. Hey, maybe this. Hey, should I marry this guy? He's not a Christian. Be with this girl. She's not a Christian. We'll step on maybe some toes here, but the Bible says don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if you've got some options in front of you and neither of the options are sinful, neither of the options are sinful, here's what I'd say to you. Get some wisdom. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. And say, hey, these are the kind of things that might happen to my family. These are the kind of outcomes that I could possibly see. Do you think I should do this? Do you think I shouldn't do this? Ask people who love you enough to tell you no. Get wisdom. Pray. Say, God, which school should I go to? Nothing sinful about either one of these schools. God, I can't find the verse in the Bible that says thou shalt go to, be, go to UK. Some of you are searching. It's not in there. God, there's no, there's no, there's no none, none of these options look sinful. What should I do? Get some wisdom, pray, and here's what I would say to you. Make a decision. Because listen, God's plan for your life is not going to be wrecked if you pick one school over another, one job over another. If there's no sinful avenue that you see openly, they both look wise, they both look great, your family's on board, seems like God opened both these doors. Make the decision. But if God's not going to get more of you in that job you choose, you've blown it. If God's not going to get more of you in that school that you choose, that relationship, that decision, that next step, if God doesn't get more of you, you've blown it. Because God's first and foremost priority is to get your heart. That's why we sang the song today, You Won't Relent. Because God won't relent. Until he gets every bit of us. See, I, didn't, I told you I wasn't going to puke. But um, I turn this over and pour this out. I'm going to unscrew this. I turn this over and pour this out. What's going to happen? It's going to go in the bucket, right? Hmm. It's, not, it's not happening, is it? Now, my front row here is giving me some advice. So you unscrew the lid. And look at that. Look at that. Just, just one little thing. Just one thing. Keeping, keeping this from going into that. One little thing keeps this from going to where I want it to be. But see, watch this. If I take this, and if I remove it, now it does exactly what I want it to do. Just goes right in there. Just, just pours right out. See, God wants to pour himself out in every life in the room. It, it isn't as if God's got a purpose for your life and he's hiding that purpose. It isn't as if Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in heaven and they're hiding it behind some curtain. God's already told you his purpose for you today. It's to get more of your heart. God wants to pour himself out in your life. God wants to do great things through your life, but first, God wants to do a great thing in your life. And maybe the thing that's keeping God from pouring himself out in your life is just one thing. Just, just one thing. What's your thing? For some of you, you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time today. Today's the day. You've been running from God. You've been to church after church. You've made excuse after excuse. Oh, I need to stop doing this habit. Oh, I'm going to do that next week. No, you need to do it today. 
God says in the book of 1 Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. And listen, I don't know a lot of you, but here's what I would say to you. Today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day that you stop running and you surrender to God and say, Jesus, I am yours. I am done trying to live this life on my own. I am done trying to make this up on my own. This is too much for me to carry. The weight's too much for me to bear. Here's my life. Take it. And he promises to do it. Christian, what is, what is the thing that God is saying, hey, let's deal with it because I want to take you to the next level, but there's this deal. Maybe it's your comfort. Maybe it's your comfort. God's telling you to do something, and you're scared. And you know what? That's how faith works. Because faith, faith is putting yourself in a position where if God doesn't come through, you're toast. So of course you're scared. God's calling you to step out and trust him. Do it anyway. Because when you take that step, you'll find he's right there waiting. Maybe that thing that you need to surrender is some sin that God has put his finger on in your life. I used some hard examples a minute ago. Maybe it's some sexual relationship, addiction. Maybe it's not even some hard example. Maybe you're here in the room and you just constantly have negative thoughts running through your head. Just, just constant negative thinking. My life's never going to work out. God doesn't have a purpose for me. Hey, you know what? That's natural. I'm just not an optimistic person. I'm a realist. No, the Bible calls that unbelief. Because God does say he's got a purpose for you. Romans 8, 28 says that all things will work together for the good. Maybe the thing that God wants to deal with is the fact that deep down you and he know you don't trust him. You've got a relationship with him. But there's some trust issues he wants to deal with today. What's the thing that you need to deal with that God has put his finger on saying, let's go, let's move, and let's surrender? Let's pray. Someone, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we give this time to you. It's already yours. It's already been yours. We don't even have to ask for you to take it because it's been yours the whole time. And so, Father, I believe right now you are at work in the, in the lives of men and women. Right now you are. Right now you're at work. I believe that you're calling people to yourself and, and you're speaking to people and somebody in the room, you're telling, it's time to come home to me. It's time to, to begin a relationship with me for the first time. There's Christians in the room and you're telling them, it's time to deal with this thing. You've been making excuses. You've been trying to justify it. I know it's scary, but let's deal with it today because there's freedom in surrender. God, your purpose is to get more of us. Get more of us right now. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, nobody is looking around. It doesn't matter if they are because none of these people are ultimate. Only Jesus is. Lights are down. Nobody can see. But here's my question for you. Let me talk to my Christians. Let me talk to Christians in the room really quick. Christians, has God put his finger on something today? Is, is God telling you, hey, there's this thing that you need to deal with. There's this thing, maybe it's a thing that you need to get out of your life. Maybe it's a thing that for the very first time you need to confess to God and say, God, you're right. This is holding me back. This is that thing. I mean, it looks just as innocent as some piece of foil on the end of a Gatorade bottle. But it's holding me back. And Jesus, today, I want to deal with it. Teenagers, adults, is that you? If that's you, if you're here, you're a Christian, you'd say, God is dealing with me about a thing in my life 
right now, man, he's dealing with me about something. Would you raise your hand up right now? Nobody's looking, just raise your hand up. God is dealing with me about an issue in my, in my life at this very moment. Hands are going up all over the room. Anybody else? Anybody else? You raise your hand up high. All the way in the back are hands. Anybody else? If you're a Christian, you'd say, God is dealing with me about an issue right now. Here's what I would want to say to you. God wants to use other Christians in your life to help you take that next step, to help you fight that fight, and to help you to grow. And right now, hey, right now, I want you to know, man, you're in a safe place. Nobody here has it all together. Nobody here has it. Nobody here is perfect. But right now, we've got people in the back who want to talk to you and love you, and all they want to do is pray with you. Say, what are, what, what are they going to do? All we want to do is pray for you and encourage you. Hey, take that step. Do what God is telling you to do. Listen, if you just raised your hand, I want you to stand up right now and go to the back and talk to somebody about whatever you raised your hand about. Go to the back right now. Christians, if you just raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, I want you to go right now. People are moving. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager, middle school, I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you've got a relationship with Jesus, he is dealing with you about something. You go to the back right now. People are moving. You just get up and go. You get up and go right now. Don't get to the car. More importantly, don't sit there and think, what are people going to think about me? Hey, what if you make that move and they see it and they say, you know what, I need to do the same thing. And they make that move and God uses you in their life. Make the move right now if you need to go and pray with somebody. Make the move right now. If God's putting his finger on something, say, hey, let's deal with it right now. Let's make that move. Let's go. People are moving right now. People are moving. You get up and go. You get up and go. You get up and go. People are, as people are going back there right now, man, as people are going back at this very moment, somebody in the room, I believe there's people in the room right now, and if you're honest, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you need to surrender your life to him for the very first time. And you, you've been to a lot of church services just like this, but today's the day that you just surrender. And you just say, Jesus, I'm yours. I want a relationship with you. I want to live for you. Save me. If that's you today, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, right there where you sit, you pray this prayer today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. Forgive me. For all sin in my life. I want to live for you. I give my life to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. Here's my life. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye still closed. Nobody's looking around. Did you just pray that prayer? Did you just pray that prayer? Or maybe you didn't, but you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, you raise your hand to say today, I want to say today, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. One, two, no more running. Today is the day when you surrender. Three, raise your hand up right now. Anybody in the room would say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. There are hands in the main back, two hands in the main back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Listen, if that's you, if you just raised your hand or if you didn't, I want you to do the same thing other people are doing right now. Would you stand up and go to some people right there in the back of the auditorium? We want to pray with you. We want to give you a free Bible, a book in your hand to help you to take that next step. If you just raised your hand, say to the person next to you, excuse me, I've got some stuff to do, and just make your way to the back of the auditorium right there. Just do it right now. Do it right now. If you just raised your hand or you didn't, you make your step back there. But listen, don't let this opportunity go by. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. And this is an opportunity because God is moving. And I'm telling you, people are getting up and going right now. 
So don't miss out if God is telling you, you need to do this. You do it. You do it. You do it. Summit with every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you feel comfortable right now, if you feel comfortable, would you just lift your hands to heaven and let's pray together. Just lift your hands up right now. You don't have to. But if you feel comfortable just as an act of saying, you surrender, Jesus, I'm yours. Summit, if you just raise your hand right now, if you feel comfortable as we pray and say, dear, we're just praying, dear Lord Jesus, we want to surrender ourselves to you. We want to surrender as a church. Jesus, a church fully surrendered in your hand is a dangerous weapon that can change the world. And that's what we want to be. Father, I pray that you take our lives and take our week and burn into us what we've talked about today, that your purpose is to get more of us and we surrender because there's freedom in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's thank God for what he's done here today and decisions that have been made. Man, for God just showing up, this is a special day right here at Summit. And listen, we're so excited to have you here today. And, and right now, if you would, would you just take your connection card and flip that card over and, and any information that you would be willing to give us, just go ahead and fill that out. If you would want to serve at Summit, hey, check the volunteer box because we, 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 we are always looking for more people on the team who can be a volunteer. And so you just flip that card over, check that box. Let us know any way that God spoke to you today. And in just a moment, we've got guest service volunteers that as you leave, they're going to collect those cards. You just drop those cards in the basket. And hey, here's a couple things for you. Connect is right here in this room, about 15 minutes. If you've been to Summit a couple times, you got some questions, just want to feel this thing out, man. See if this is, see if this is a cult or not. It's crazy, right? Um, hey, thank you. Um, but you just want to know, man, we'll just stick around. No strings attached, not asking you to feel anything out. If you're a first-time guest, please go out there to that table in your right. we got a free gift for you. Hey, love you guys. Let's stand up. Our band's going to dismiss us. Next week, the question is, how can I know if I'm a Christian? It's going to be a big deal. Bring somebody with you. Love you guys. Play them out. Cool. Mark your calendars. January the 12th There's going to be a concert right here in the forum. Our very own Tim Eagles putting it together, the Rhett Walker Band. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. He's awesome. We need to support it. If we get a big crowd here, we'll get more guys coming in and in like that. So it'll be awesome. January 12th, write it down.